0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Tweets and Tonic podcast. It's been quite a while since we've been on the airwaves. Um, just a lot been going on and a lot happening. But tonight we wanted to come to you um, and have a conversation. There have obviously been a lot of events going on in the world since our last podcast, the coronavirus, and most recently the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor in countless more that we don't even know about um so tonight I had a conversation with my husband Aaron who you all know and love and one of his best friends Jalen uh Jalen is from North Carolina lives in Utah now with his wife Elizabeth he is a Salesforce guru like Aaron and um he is also a black man like Aaron and so I didn't really say a whole lot in this podcast episode um we really haven't been saying a lot anywhere. It's just um, the time I think it's good for me to listen and learn and lament. And so tonight we wanted to bring Jalen on the podcast. Because there's a lot of people making social media posts and a lot of people sharing things on the internet. But not many people are actually trying to come up with solutions. And Jalen is someone who's very private. I'm actually kind of shocked he came on the podcast, but he's a very private guy. Um, He's an incredible guy and super, super smart, and you'll learn that tonight listening to him talk about a bill that he um, feels would be a good solution to a lot of the police brutality that has happened um, recently and forever, really, but um, as most people know and have seen the videos of what happened to George Floyd, I think Jalen's proposal would maybe help that situation, and um, so we wanted to really kind of just turn the podcast over to him tonight and a conversation really between he and Aaron, I was there, I talk every once in a while, but like I said, I just wanted to listen, and I hope you'll do the same and share this, and that's about it, so without further ado, here's the conversation with Jalen. All right, Jalen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you both for having me. Of
0: course. Of course. So, in keeping with the conversation Aaron and I have been having, uh, today, you posted a little something on Facebook, which is rare for you.
1: Mm It's (laughs) been over a year, I believe.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I looked down and saw that you had posted and thought, oh, God, somebody's died. Um, And it was actually really impactful for me, and I texted Aaron immediately because I wasn't at the house and told him you needed to come on the podcast, so... I am gonna let you explain your post. Wait,
2: before we do that, let's correct what you just said. She sent me a message and said, "Your boy Jalen posted something. Go look at it." And I was like, "Oh my god, who died?" And so I went, <laughs> and I was ready. I was ready to ride. It's like, who do we have to go talk to? I appreciate that. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing."
0: Yeah. So. Give us the down low on it all. Tell us everything. What
2: does it mean, Smitty?
1: (laughs) So I would say to start, um, just looking back across the last few years and what we've seen take place uh, plenty of different times with varying degrees of of certainty with different levels of video recordings and whatnot. Um, we've, We've tried a lot of different things so far. And I say we as like a collective of people as part of the United States have tried many different things. So whether that be... Peaceful protests, more violent protests, riots—whatever you want to call them—in um, a form of expression. We've seen it at the individual level. We've seen it at the professional level, um, in the form of athletes such as Colin Kaepernick and what he has done with his platform. Um, but we, it seems to have fallen on deaf ears for the most part, right? So, I've—I know, you know, starting I would say probably five or six years ago. Um, because I was still, I was just about to exit college at the time with a group of peers that I had and we started this chat thread about like what we could do about it because we started seeing um, You know, these protests and, and such happening, but we weren't really getting any traction or making any what we would really consider real and lasting change. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we've been doing for the previous few years and we've seen this go on, but really something just sparked um, in this last this last instance with George Floyd, and it was kind of alarming for me personally. Um, just to highlight what I kind of how I experienced it as I learned about the news, because my wife actually told me about it. Um, you both know already, as Elizabeth, but for everyone else, my wife told me about the the situation that was going on. And for the first time in the last few years, it was really, really close originally to lack of a emotional response for me um and i say that i say that it was alarming because you know you're kind of becoming numb to the situation over time um so the fact that it got that close for me and then it just completely shifted kind of like a seismic wave of like you know what reality shock almost like what was that to just kind of brush off yet another um so oh yeah it's you know it's happened again i'm not surprised this time Right. So that's where I was thinking, you know, what can I do this go around specifically in the place that I'm at, all the things that I've learned in the last five years and just the resourcefulness um, to be able to go do some research and try and learn as much as possible before, you know, doing something to make a change. So that's why I decided to go with this approach. Um, And again, I already mentioned, like, we've tried so many different things, but this is one thing I, I don't think we've tried yet as a collective. To take the appropriate steps recourse, you know, within the guidelines of legislature that have already been put forth by our country. And then putting out um, a couple guidelines really there were three topics that I wanted to cover and that are three notable items that I called them in my Facebook posts. The first was how to make the change happen and then what you know the people that are reading it should do. So first and foremost, I just wanted to make it really clear you know, here's, here's what our end goal is, right? There's going to be a lot of text with it. There's going to be a lot of conversation. Um, but overall, here's, here's the goal that we're trying to get out of this thing and here's how we do this. Um, and uh, that involves a few different steps, but ultimately it all resides within the process to get a bill proposed within our legal system and then get that bill passed into a law um, at the highest level. So originally I considered local law so, you know, do we just take this, right now I'm in Utah, do I take this to my local, you know, governors, mayors, um, police deputies, chiefs, chief officers, things like that, and try and make a difference? I've done that already in Wilmington in the past, whenever I was there. Um, and then there were some positives that did come out of that, don't get me wrong, but I feel like this specific instance, I wanted to, to do something that was a bit, bit more grand um, and just start at the top. And make the biggest splash that we possibly can. And I think that will ultimately result in the most lives saved as we possibly can in this particular instance. So that was the first decision to to go this route of, of communicating out, like you mentioned, I don't post very often, but um, making a public post that everybody can see and everybody can share, so we can just get the message out there and then try and get this act um, you know, really approved and then made into a law someday. So that's the the first first step. Second item that I included in that was the official bill. So the second and third items are you know the official bill that's already been proposed um, by myself to a member you know House a member of the House Representatives or a senator can just immediately pick that up and then decide to champion it. Of course, there's going to be some revisions and edits. People are going to want to change things. And I think that makes sense. Um, that's just kind of the natural flow of things, but just giving a really solid starting point. I spent uh, just for context here. I have no background in writing legal documentation to this this level to be to be approved, um, you know, by the president of the United States. However, like I mentioned, all the resourcefulness and whatnot I've been able to gain over the last few years, um, Google can teach you a lot of things and uh, tenacity and resourcefulness as there are a couple of things that are a little bit more difficult to teach, but if you use them the right way, you can achieve a lot. So I did a lot of that, taught myself a lot of things. I, I know a lot more laws now than I knew 48 hours ago. Um, but, you know, put all my all my knowledge together into those and then really put that bill together for the first draft that they can really just pick up and then move forward on. Um, the third was the human version of that bill, right? One thing that I noticed was there's a very particular way of speech and written speech in this particular instance that has to be a certain way. One example of that is, you know, the way that you and I might define a law enforcement officer and all the different versions of that and people that I can interact with that I'm gonna gonna deem in my personal life as a law enforcement officer, to do that legally and the best appropriate way, which you'll see noted over and over and over across a bunch of different laws is 25 words. So it's a lot of, you know, a lot of commas in there, a lot of different variations and subsidiaries and all kinds of stuff, but um, some things like that. So just realizing like, you know, we have the official bill and of course that's for the people who need to to enact it and review it at that level um, of attention to detail. But there's also just the human element of all of this, right? At the end of the day, I'm not trying to, you know, make a very, very particular law for the sake of making a law out here it's you know that doesn't make sense to me and i think a lot of people um that are unarmed citizen of any any race creed color otherwise um, you know that appears not to be resistant on you know video recording it continues to be suffocated after they've you know audibly expressed that they they don't have the ability to breathe and there's no there's no media act taken to save that person's life or reposition so um That I think just from everybody reasonably that can look at it, people like myself and my wife that just catch an episode of live PD every now and then, um, that can reasonably see this does not make sense, right? Um, To just address that situation. And one of the things, one point of feedback I've gotten so far since putting it out there has been, you know, well, what about body cameras? And what about, you know, what about all these other things that we might want to do to, to help this, you know, be proved in a court of law, I think that is kind of I don't want to say put in the car before the horse, but part of the idea of getting this act, um, and specifically, it's this uh, appropriate use of force act of 2020. Um, the The purpose of it really is to prevent our need to do that. If we're if we're trying to lobby, at the end of the day, and argue and discuss, like, oh uh, well, you know, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have detained me or you shouldn't have restricted my airflow for 30 seconds instead of 20 seconds. Okay, that's great. I'll take that. I'll take that trade off as long as I'm alive and well to be able to provide that argument. Um, So really, it should just be as it should almost be second nature to us over time. Right. Law enforcement officers, it's not something they're going to need to have extensive training on. It's something that should should take minimal training, minimal overhead. Um, that helps with our logistics. It helps with our pace to bring this to—I don't want to say market—but to our legislature and get it approved. Um, and that you don't need all that extra stuff to get it approved and get it passed. It's just one step on the on the path there. Um, but you know, being being really what it is, it's just hey, 20 seconds. That's that's your barometer. It should become second nature to a law enforcement officer if they found themselves in an encounter. With a citizen that requires a use of force. Um, if that use of force is defined and you know restricting that person's ability to breathe, and there's some specific, you know, vernacular use to describe that, but really if the person can't breathe, it's just a concerted effort to make sure that you know you you let up there within 20 seconds. It's not a consistent or continuous um, pressure applied beyond 20 seconds to prevent this person from breathing. And if that is the case, then there's assumption there that the law enforcement officer has decided to use a lethal force. There's a lot of, lot of things in that. Um, I don't, I don't just immediately condone, Hey, let's, you know, let's choke somebody for 20 seconds, take a five second break, get back to business. You know, um, like I mentioned, it's really just there should become second nature for people to say, Hey, you know, it's, it's been a little while, this I've been you know, joking this person, they've been trying to tell me they can't breathe for 40 seconds, 50 seconds, 60 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. All right, that's a bit excessive and I think we can kind of all agree with that. But one of the things that we quickly realized is most people will not die from being restrained or you know, at least their ability to breathe being restrained for 20 seconds, right? Um, so if we just are able to ingrain within our law enforcement officers, early on or through their basic training or whatever form is appropriate that they get adequate training, that, you know, they have a mental clock going off. Okay, it's been 20 seconds. Maybe, you know, I need to let up here. Um, There's also communication there about what officers that are surrounded, you know, surrounded in the situation or otherwise involved in the situation should do and what they are in right to do. Um, There are some, there are some laws in place today that mention, you know, people can't get in the way effectively there's a lot of words in there but they can't impede an officer's ability to restrain someone. Um, however, I do believe somebody should be allowed and within their rights especially as a, law, a fellow law enforcement officer to tell you know another, another law enforcement officer hey it's been 20 seconds you know this person has expressed that they cannot breathe. We have to do this step take this you know guideline that we're hoping to provide to everybody and then enact it. And really all that should do is help us diffuse the situation if it gets to that point um, and then provide you know the most optimal opportunity for people to exit those situations in a safe manner. So overall, that's what our proposition is about. Um, you know, We put it together with a lot of thought and a lot of context that was taken in in recent light. I know it's not gonna solve every problem, um, but I'm hoping that it will solve this this one immediate problem that we have continued to see um, and have and proven we've seen it again with this one particularly in George Floyd's case so one step at a time we'll save at least one human life I do feel with uh with the enactment of this bill and to me there's really no downside of implementing it if anybody does feel that there are downsides to implement implementing it um, I would be glad to you know hear what those thoughts are and you know have the appropriate discourse to get through that conversation because ultimately we're going to want to get it passed. But I'm also interested in, you know, you guys' feedback and thoughts on it as well.
2: So um, I thought it was pretty good, actually. I thought um, it was well thought out. The question I have is, um, did you think about adding other things in it, like the lethal use of force when it came to weaponry, weaponry and things like that?
1: So there are a lot of things that I thought about when it came to including additional additional items. Um, So, for example, I'll just pull it up here. So bear with me. Give me a second. Uh, But I do call out a couple instances of the use of force. So I'm looking at the official version now. So if I look at section. So within this, you know, proposed bill, there are a few sections and then subsections within that. So usually yeah. in the immediate section I'll define something and then if there's clarity added or needed, then I'll put it in a subsection. And there's one in here for lethal force of with that. So on section three, it says without the determination or assertion to apply lethal force the impairment of a citizen's ability to breathe via restriction of airways or compression of lungs in excess of 20 continuous seconds is impermissible by a law enforcement officer. And then it has a subsection there, the impairment of a citizen's ability to breathe in excess of 20 continuous seconds assumes a determination and assertion to apply lethal force. Um, So that's the first iteration of including an example of lethal force and the determination there. I thought it was important to provide balance, right? And one of the things that I didn't want to do, um, and I put this in the in the human version as well, is we don't completely need to hamstring our our law enforcement officers or impair them from doing their jobs safely, right? Um, so if there if there's a reasonable threat to someone's life, and really that's where it's up to the discretion of the officer to decide. Must I use lethal force here? Is this a scenario where, you know, I do use lethal force? If if you find yourself in a situation, let's say like you're in a knife fight, for example. If I get into a knife fight and I get to a point where I'm restricting someone's airflow for 20 seconds, their arms are probably in a pretty good spot or I've disarmed this person um, to be able to apply 20 continuous seconds of... Um, You know, restriction to that person's airflow. If I'm similar thing, if I'm, you know, in a gunfight, you're probably going to have much less opportunity to restrict someone's airflow for 20 seconds if you're in a gunfight. So a lot of this, you know, verbiage that's being used inherently assumes that we are in a much more peaceful um, situation, even though like, you know, generally if I'm being restrained, relatively peaceful here. Um, But I mean, in a situation that's relatively well controlled, there's not a lot of, you know, not inherent violence here. And I think really it was just anchoring back to the things that we've seen in the past. We haven't really seen instances where we have argued as a collective, you know, hey, this person was very violent with you and they approached you in a manner that was, you know, gonna cause bodily harm to you. We don't we don't allow you to protect yourself, right? Law enforcement officers should still be allowed to protect themselves, um, and I feel like that holds true in the situation as well.
2: Well, uh, to your point, if you have your, you know, in the case of George Floyd, if you have your knee on somebody's neck, they're pretty much subdued at that point, right?
1: And there's also another another caveat to that as well in the verbiage, and that if a law enforcement officer decides or asserts to use lethal force, I'm not immediately condoning that. That's the right choice. I'm not immediately saying that that's an incorrect choice either. It's simply a, a clear assertion um, or decision to use this lethal force. And then let's take the example of George Floyd. If let's say I do have a knee on someone's neck. If I have it there for 20 seconds, you know, that's already probably a bit superfluous, but at the point in 20 seconds, this person's probably still going to be able to survive if he had he or she they has not told me verbally that they cannot breathe at that point i just mentally think okay you know it's been 20 seconds i need to make an effort to make sure this person can breathe take my knee off i i verbally confirm can you breathe you know the situation should be a bit more at hand if it has escalated that gives us an opportunity to de-escalate and come back down um and then also let's say i do in this case we we saw the knee was there for well over 20 seconds. There's a question, you know, depending on what tier of murder are we being charged with here, um, or what specific title do we want to apply to the crime? There's, there's, hopefully, would be less of that um, gray area. There's, I'm sure, there's still going to be some gray area. There's always gray area when humans are involved, but um, if we have it clearly defined here, where there's a guideline to say, hey. 20 seconds is our mark if i get to 40 seconds all right please don't do that but at the end of the day i'm probably going to walk away alive if i'm sitting here in excess for 80 seconds 100 seconds 120 seconds i'm continuing to do this you're continuing to tell me that you can't breathe and i'm making no effort um, to reposition or you know make an effort to save human life and make sure you can breathe and seek That verbal validation that you're able to breathe. That's a completely different scenario than than what we saw play out in the last few weeks.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask is, did you want to What made you narrow it down to just breathing versus, you know, um, Gun violence, uh, physical blows, things of that nature. So I feel like
1: at the, I think most people are gonna relate with, with the answer here. Um, So I'll just say really quickly is Rome wasn't built in that day. Everybody gets that. Um, Everybody's heard it, I feel, growing up. But there's very, I wanted this to be very specific there. There's a lot involved in the myriad of situations and permutations of what we've seen in the last few years. However, right now, this is the most prevalent one and it's it allows us an opportunity to be very um, targeted, in, in what we're going after. And this this specific bill already has seven sections within it, um, and it's only specific to the appropriate use of force um, within the context of imp- of impaired breathing, um, mostly because it's you know a week old, right? People, it's fresh for people. They understand. I don't ha- really have to sell, you know, what my what my goal is here what my reasoning is here every bill starts off with why right and there's an there's an opening or a preamble you know what's what's your validation for bringing this to us if i say you just killed a man last week we've seen this happen numerous times in the same way in the last couple of years let's take some action right now versus hey overall we've seen police brutality before let's talk about all the different ways we've seen police brutality and the ways that can manifest and try and take them all down. It would be much larger if there'd be more room for error. But ultimately, one of the goals that I have for this is that it shows us the blueprint to be able to successfully make change in this country, right? If we're able to take this one specific instance, and, you know, and I say one instance, I mean, you know, that's, really the straw that broke the camel's back scenario. We've seen plenty of instances, but if we're able to take this particular scenario, execute really, really well on a small subset of what we want, then we, in the future, are hopefully able to iterate on this and continue to make change in similar ways um, and in a much more expedited way. And I feel like it's taken us, personally, I'll speak for myself, it's taken me five or six years to even think about writing a bill as the appropriate course to get change as a response to this because of all the different ways that we've protested and tried to get change in the last five or six years you know this is the first time I've even considered it as one of my options to take so hopefully you know we, we have an opportunity to do really well on this one it's very very specific and what we've saw in this in this case um, get it passed positively learn from it understand what we could have done better could have done differently should have done differently um and then
2: you know take that into the next endeavor well i think um one thing i found very interesting about this it is a foothold uh, more or less um it's a way to start the ball rolling on other things yeah
1: yeah that's definitely one of the one of the core thoughts that was constantly you know in my brain as I was working on it as I was learning about it as I was writing it you know it's how how am i getting information here how am i writing it in a way that can almost be templatized where we can just step through the same process again i'm already thinking about you know hopefully we don't have to do this reactively right i feel like we probably haven't done this as proactively as we could have in the past few years um, but reactively right now is the, re- is the reality of where we're at. Um, and I feel like it's probably our best course of action right now. If we wanna delve into all these other areas that we've seen problems with in the past few years, we'll take the experience we get from this one and apply it to those with an opportunity to be proactive. We already get the innate bonuses there. However, if we do have another instance where we need to be reactive, maybe instead of you know, having four protests, we have three protests and we start this earlier, right? I think that's one of my my lessons one of the things I'm thinking about right now is if, look at all of our celebrities, high profile individuals um, that we would consider to have a lot of power, right? Really this thing has to be championed, sponsored, referred and sent um, by, either a house of representative member or by a senator of the United States so we have I guess 535 people some something like that some kind of math how that works out with the number of house representatives and then senators um, per state it's probably a little bit more ebbs and flows at, at times and there's some extra um, jurisdictions in there as I came to learn over the last couple of days but um, if we if we know better how to target those individuals right now where it's kind of like a grassroots it has to start from the bottom you know share this hashtag get it out there communicate about it um, it's it's difficult to get it started because people don't understand how to do it if we're able to succeed this time the next time this this becomes available or, or the option to us becomes available, then maybe our high profile individuals better understand, hey, we need a bill here. There's a there's a gap. There's something that we can't and shouldn't really argue as as a human that this shouldn't be a requirement. And I think that's where some of the other challenges come in when you try to pull in more items, is there's more. There's more back and forth. There's more debates about like, should the, is that really a requirement? Should we make that a law or should it be more up to local jurisdiction? Shouldn't, should we really make that 100% a requirement all the time? Or should it really only be applied in certain circumstance? I think in this one, we have a very clear, everybody agrees. I'd be interested to hear if anyone doesn't agree that this particular instance um, with all the evidence we've been presented should not have happened so that's the kind of thing we just want to make sure we tighten up right now and then provide an opportunity to avenue to do in the future
2: so one question I have is police already have procedures in place for this type of thing right mm-hmm. bill versus relying on the procedures that are already in place Could you repeat the last part of that again why would you recommend a bill versus the procedures that are already in place? So I'd say first off, it's just very
1: specific um, to I don't know, I don't even want to say de-escalation. There's a bit of a different line there. Um, I guess it's a few different parts. So first off, as you know, plenty of people on the internet, please fact check me here. Um, but <laughs> Through some of the research that I was doing yesterday, I came across a couple of different things. One item is that in response to this, uh, the senator, one of the senators, uh, you know, his name is fleeting to me right now, but has in Michigan, has started to um, propose a separate bill. And that one is specific to requiring more de-escalation training for officers in the state, right? Because I believe it was something around like 60 60 hours spent um, training on handguns. And then it was less than, he's requiring eight hours now. So before that, who knows You know what it was as far as what the requirement was for de-escalation. So that's already really disproportionate right there from a tactical perspective. There's a lot of tactical training being done. There's much less governance already around the soft skill of this. The human element of this the emotional quotient of this for officers to be prepared to handle these situations anyway so even though we say you know i'm sure there's training for this i'm sure there's options for this already maybe there's not there's at least not being mandated from the federal level and push down everybody as a requirement maybe there's more local laws and more local changes like that um, but we need to make grander efforts and i believe one of the grander efforts that will come out of this Um, is in more of that requirement of the de-escalation training and whatnot. Specifically on the question of why would we, or why would I recommend um, this approach as opposed to leaning on the training that they have already. um, Really it should be a supplement and that's where I find we should be able to implement this relatively quickly um, because it doesn't require a lot of logistical overhead. I'm not asking you to do an additional 16 hours or 20 hours worth of training um, to be prepared for this. You don't have to go back into that. You don't have to add it into basic training. You don't have to expand out any training schedules that are already prepared or curriculums that are already prepared. This truly could be a very, very quick conversation, right? You read, you really don't even need to read this word by word. If I just tell you, Make sure like in, in instances where you have to apply our uh, use of force, one, apply the appropriate level of force. Don't apply excessive force, which I'm sure they already have some form of. Two, if you find yourself in a scenario where you restrict someone's airflow, ensure that they can breathe within 20 seconds. And you can you can train. So while you're already doing, you know, training, basic, all these things and working through different scenarios, you can have exercises where you work at pace contain this scenario within 20 seconds, contain the scenario within 15 seconds, contain the scenario within 30 seconds. But the idea being you work to get quick at the de-escalation portion of it, um, or really just managing the situation before you get to the de-escalation. However, you have a guideline now that says, if you find yourself in the situation, here's what you should do. And it's very quick and it's very easy um, and it should hopefully, just kind of be a non-event and automatic in people's brains, like, hey, you know, it's been around 20 seconds, let me make sure this person can breathe, and just provides more guidelines around that.
2: It also felt like part of the reason um, you thought of this bill is it kind of allows for review outside of the typical police force review. It gets eyes on it outside of, you know, that entity and kind of makes it uh, a judicial review public like something public was that part of also the reason why you wanted to make it a bill
1: so i'd say it's something that i thought about at different times throughout it it probably wasn't one of my driving forces to get different um to get a different lens of it i don't feel like at least not immediately probably because i haven't been down this specific path before. I don't feel like I've ever been met with resistance at the um, officer or like law enforcement level and needed to get additional judicial review of it. Um, One thing I did wanna do in that same vein was make it extremely agnostic um, and extremely human as opposed to different cliques that can form or different subsections of humanity. So if I just really quickly read uh, the beginning of, of the proposition directly after the bill title. It says, to ensure citizens and law enforcement officers are provided the best opportunity to safely experience an encounter, which includes use of force. Law enforcement officers must abide by these guidelines presented hereafter. There's nothing in there. You know, there's no flavor text specific to, to anything polarizing that we've heard before. I feel like it's something that everybody regardless of position or status um, should be able to agree that when citizens and law enforcement officers find themselves in scenarios where use of force is required they should be able to do that safely at least when it's in an controlled manner and that's just one example but i try to continue and use that same structure of verbiage and wording throughout the entire document and not get too specific on any one particular area and try and leave it very open and very
2: human. I mean, I think what I mean is because it is a law and not just a procedure, a procedure, if somebody actually does choke somebody out, it is reviewed by the police force, correct? Uh, If if it is a procedure and we don't talk about a bill, the procedure is reviewed by the police force and the the people within that police force, correct? I think... When you make it a law, you know, you put it as a bill and it becomes a law, it then puts extra eyes on it. Because the moment anybody is suffocated, it now has to be reviewed not only by the police station, but also by courtrooms, things like that to determine. Whereas before, if somebody accidentally choked somebody out, it could be covered up, it could be, you know, it could be Change, it can say that oh, this you know, this happened because of the XYZ. The moment you make it a law, it then has to be reviewed by a the judicial. System
1: so, so, there's definitely a few points on that note. Um, first off, that's a, that concept is absolutely one of the reasons why I wanted to go this route, yeah. Um, and the word accountability, which I'll immediately come back to right after the second point. Point number two. There can still, and likely will still, be cover-ups and be you know, shady things happening under the table. This isn't going to solve the, the action of it. Laws haven't solved people breaking laws before. Um, unfortunately, I do feel like, you know, at some point it will happen. We're all humans, um, and it's a part of us to, to do these kinds of things, even when they shouldn't happen. But you know, that's statistically speaking, um flipping back to the to the point on um accountability if if i don't understand and let's you know most of us should understand this but let's just say for the sake of argument and speaking of accountability if i don't understand what is expected of me one what the repercussions are if i if i don't follow specific guidelines then i can't really have a conversation about you know what someone's expectation is every single day every single time so whenever you know i'm thinking about making it into a bill much more legal you know much more of an approach of of the courts and whatnot if there's a form of, of prosecution um and again like it's the focus isn't on prosecution but it's definitely noted in here within these sections um specifically you know what people should be doing at each at each portion of the way, and then on section six, there's a call out for a specific uh, title of civil law that will um, that ex- uses or cases of excessive force currently fall under. So it makes a clear designation that anyone who doesn't, you know, abide by this guideline is found not to abide by this guideline. You know, first of all, they will be, you know, prosecuted with that title in mind. So that civil action for deprivation of rights um, which you know examples of police brutality and/or excessive force currently fall under, and then in addition to that, anyone who doesn't fall into these guidelines um, will also incur any other criminal offenses deemed appropriate for the person's actions, i.e., you know assault, battery, and murder, etc. So it just makes it very clear for people to understand. You know, it's not going to be too much of a guessing game here as far as what is or what is on the table it's here's your guidelines. If you don't follow these guidelines, you understand what's expected um, or what the appropriate recourse is in the event that it happens. And it's clearly laid out here. So I'm hoping, you know, through all the revisions and whatnot, that is one of the portions that will continue to stay. Um, and I ho- use similar similar ver- verbiage to some laws that are already out there um, today in hopes to make that a bit easier of a process to be approved.
2: You know, and you you said you said it correctly, there will still be cover-ups, but I feel that this will be more of a deterrent in the future. There's a difference between covering up a procedure that they did incorrectly. Nobody gets, gets any penalties for helping them cover that up. Whereas if you break a law and you help that person cover up that breaking of that law, no, nobody wants to go to jail for someone else. And it'll be a lot of, to ask a forensics person or a chief or anybody to say, hey, this is what really happened when they have the potential to go to jail. I'm hoping as well as part of being a law that this
1: allows citizens to be a bit more informed when they find themselves in these situations. Yes. Um, in the event that they are able to communicate this, um, you know, they, you know, either cite the appropriate use of force act or any part wherein, you know, that they remember in here that they know they have access to or rights to. Um, But if they find themselves in that situation, they are also, they know what's happening. If it's a procedure that's at one one county somewhere that they always put in because something happened one day in 2008, um, but you travel to thousands of other counties or thousands of other places with different structures in place and that doesn't apply, it's a much different experience whereas anybody walking the streets in in america can know that they're there should be protected um, under you know this this hopefully law once this bill is passed
2: so basically in essence you're empowering people who may potentially come into a situation where an officer is a little bit more aggressive than he should be it could potentially end the law. so it should protect the individuals in that
1: circumstance and it should also protect the law enforcement officers as well. So that's another part of all the different, you know, thoughts and yes or no's on different versions and drafts of the text that's put in here. There's a lot of it as well that shouldn't should make the officers lives easier, right? If you're able to get quick training and or direction on what you should do in these circumstances, there's less guesswork. If you find yourself in an escalated situation where you snap back to reality and your knee is on someone's neck, you can think, huh, I have guidelines that tell me not to do this. I'll change this up. Instead of still feeling like, you know, you're in an escalated situation, your mind's thinking, what do I do next? What's, where do I go from here? Who do I involve? What do I say? Um, Now you have clear guidelines that say, here's what you should do in this situation. So if you feel like it's escalated, here's the appropriate step that we have defined to de-escalate the situation. Similarly, if you're, you're an officer that's not directly involved and by directly involved, I mean physically, directly involved restraining someone, but you're in proximity, you also now within this bill have guidance on what you first of all should do in that circumstance. And then two, what you are protected to do or what you are in right to do to make sure that this this bill is upheld. So it just makes it a little bit easier on all all parties involved, hopefully, um, if they find themselves in an escalated or just a situation that involves the use of force um, where anyone finds themselves in in a situation where they can't breathe. It just helps everybody understand, you know, what, what are the next steps that should be happening right now? Um, and everybody hopefully can contribute to making sure that scenario goes over safely.
0: So why, I have a question, so why a bill that stipulates, you know, at 20 seconds that they have to let go or back off, why not a bill that says that they are not allowed to do anything that would restrict someone's airway?
1: So that was, that was an immediate uh, thought of mine that passed as soon as I decided to start writing this thing. That was actually where I probably spent the most time. Just getting it started because that is the first section that comes immediately after the title. Um, but there's a lot of thought put into the 22nd. So, first of all, I know it's going to be polarizing, and I believe in my um, in my human version of this. I also mentioned that I know that section is going to be up for for debate with people, um, and very likely going to be going to be changed in some way, shape, or form. Um, But it's tricky, it's a tricky scenario, right? So effectively it states, unless an officer decides to use lethal force, he, she, or they cannot impair someone's ability to breathe for more than 20 seconds. If they continue impairing someone for more than 20 seconds, rightfully assume their lethal force and all the things I've said already. But what that does is allow our law enforcement officers the flexibility to get the situation under control quickly and have a referenceable moment in time that they can be trained to think, I need to make sure this person can breathe spend close to 20 seconds. If you continue to train on that and you have something to anchor back to, um, then hopefully you know, you're know, you able, you're put in a position where you can replicate it within a simulated environment. And then when you're in an actual environment, you'll be able to you either via muscle memory or some other memory, recall that training um, or that experience or just that know-how of I have a 20 second timer for myself um to to take the next appropriate action what i didn't want to do is say no one can restrict airways or the ability to breathe because you have to say um you know impairment of the ability to breathe because i can't just say your airway because then what if i compress your lungs but i don't compress your airway
2: Mm -hmm. or
1: vice versa and then it's all kind of tricky so just saying the breathing you know what if What if I'm in a situation where I need to body slam someone? Which happens. There are situations that warrant law enforcement officers body slamming people. At Mm -hmm. that point, I can only assume that I'm not going to be able to breathe for a couple seconds. So now that I can't breathe, if there's a law here that says no law enforcement officers can impair my ability to breathe, then what's what's going to happen there am i going to get into a bunch of you know suits or are we going to have to go back into revisions and whatnot um so that's that's one of the thoughts that i have with it in addition to just really having something that the law enforcement officers can think back to and just have like an internal mechanism to know when they're at that limit and also because like i mentioned earlier most people won't die from if you have to pick a number of seconds pick a number that You know most situations i would say after you've begun compressing someone's ability to breathe um, they should be in a pretty good state i would think or at least able to to move on to the next thing right if i if someone restricts my personal ability to breathe for 20 seconds i'm either gonna stop or i'm gonna continue resisting um most people though after 20 seconds of continuous seconds of not being able to breathe are probably going to stop or they've already stopped. And I think that's what we've seen in most cases. And that's really what we're trying to get to here is it's not necessarily, um, you know, just addressing law enforcement officers should never be able to, to impair someone's ability to breathe because I personally believe that they should be within their rights to do that if it seemed appropriate. Um, they should just have something they can anchor back to really as a, as a next step um, to know to de-escalate the situation.
0: So in your post, you mentioned a few things and a few ways that we and the people listening can help get this bill uh, turned into a law. Do you want to explain a couple of the ways that we can help?
1: Sure. So the first thing I did or one of the posts, on there is this uh, USA.gov says how does a bill become a law Um, and there's five steps ultimately and if you take everything else out um, it's start with the idea the bill is introduced the bill goes to committee they debate and they vote and they change it up if they need to change it up and then the president acts right Um, approve pass hopefully is what we're going for so we've already done the first two steps so far, effectively. Um, we've started with the idea and then taken that a step further and actually drafted the first version of the bill, hopefully making it much easier. They understand you know what we're trying by They I mean a senator or House of Representative member who can take this to Congress for us. They understand what we're seeking out of it. I mean, we've already worded it in all the appropriate ways that we feel it should be you know presented. And then, <clears throat> so what we need to do going forward to get this done, first of all, um, share, the, share the post. So the post is out there under my name, Jalen Hussey. Um, but also, you're probably gonna be be able to find it more readily by searching the hashtag A-U-F-A 2020. And that's the Appropriate Use of Force Act of 2020. Um, so there's a couple of different thoughts there. So. you're sharing it hopefully the post goes viral and whatnot if it doesn't go viral that's fine we still have avenues to to make change but we'll talk about that um in the event that it does go viral what we mentioned way earlier in this podcast is that you know people will write some some articles some news stories will get posted it'll get some publicity ideally celebrities who have been who have been asking you know posting to their social media platforms as well What do I do to get involved? What should we do to get involved? What? How do we make this right? Some of them are out there protesting peacefully themselves, Um, so you know they're able to to get with their connections and the people that they know, and then you know hopefully get into the hands of one of these representatives that can pass this for us. We'll be in a good spot Um, for us to immediately be in position to challenge the people or challenge the leaders that are in place today to take this to vote. I've included. Uh, Your state senators and House of Representatives contact information. So there's two links in there one for the Senate members um, And then another another for the House of Representatives and you can just search those Specific to your state. I mean, I do encourage everybody to do that per state. I've already reached out to my representatives um, And I'll continue to do that hoping hoping to have our voice heard but our specific call out uh, you you have to do your personal senator um, if you don't, then they have a you know professionalism policy in place where they they allow the respective senator of any particular constituent within that state to respond to that person. So you may be reaching out to them, but not receive anything. So first, being you know, share the main post, use that hashtag whenever you share the post. A U F A 2020. Second, immediately reach out, contact your state senators or house of representatives and let them know key them into what's going on and what we're trying to get past here um, we've already included screenshots of you know the official bill and the unofficial bill inside the um the original post which is why i ask everybody to always share the main post and then you know pass them along the official the official post either get some time on their schedule or just call them up or email them um you know mail in if that's your appropriate mail of choice but just to you know, say, hey, this is what we've seen already in the past. Here's our what we're trying to do going forward um, as a new option, a new alternative to use the tools that have been put in, in place by our Congress members to allow our voices um, to be heard within a specific form of government. So um, hopefully we're able to, to get in contact with them. And then we just need one person, either one person in the house or one Senator who's able to take this, champion it, put their name on it um, and lobby it. So the idea hoping to um, get this done or keep it up for about 1.5 months, It shouldn't take that long. It's a very opportunistic goal. Just wanna make sure uh, that we do allow our government officials to, to wade through all the different waters and navigate all the current world events and balance and everything else. Like I mentioned already, Um, the senator of Michigan has already started a separate bill and proposed a separate bill for more um, de-escalation training so it's not like this process is gonna take forever for them to do once they get a hold of it it's just a matter of us finding the right person that's gonna say yes um, and do that so the final note that I did have on this as far as you know getting people involved and reaching out to the right people is if we reach critical mass or if we do get in touch with these people in power that can make these decisions um if we if we find ourselves in a position where this doesn't at least make its way to the discussion or the table for debate then that's going to be exceptionally informative and telling about their current makeup at the top of our country so the people we've already put in place aren't willing to make you know this this immediate effort to get this bill passed which really to me is just it should be a huge general human right to be able to to breathe ask to breathe um if i'm truly you know in an impaired state um or just you know have have the opportunity every 20 or so seconds to, to breathe and not just be continually oppressed um, but it'll be it'll definitely be a barometer for how we should be voting and who we should be following and uh, giving our support to um, ideally it'll be the people that will say yes and will move to pass these things um, and bills such as this in the future but specifically for this one if you find yourself in a position or in contact with someone in power who does not agree with this um, just just consider it at the very least and that's all that I'll ask there um, don't need any any promises or backdoor handshakes or anything with that but just consider um, you know where we're putting our support in that but that's that's really the ways that we can get involved. The way I see it going, um, again, search that A U F A twenty twenty hashtag on Facebook. Um, give us a share, and, and make sure to put that hashtag back up there as well on
2: your post.
0: Awesome. Anything else here?
2: Well, no. I just want to say I really admire the fact that in this troubling time, this was your first thought. You know, I really admire that. And you know, uh, this is the first time I've seen you do this, which also something that is very admirable. when I think it was Mike Brown when that happened, you wouldn't talk to your local law enforcement to make sure that this wouldn't be an issue of you know, police violence in our own city when we lived in Wilmington. You know, I, I just really admire the fact that you take the step forward, meet people across the aisle to try to figure out a solution.
1: Yeah, I think I mentioned, it, and people will see this in my original post as well, um, I tend to be, have a history of being a, a private person, private individual, definitely take those, you know, personal walks over and, and talk to my local folks. In this scenario, um, and that's what I think is really pressing for me personally right now, it's just in this scenario, at this time with all the things that are going on, um, you know, the world needs all of us who can stand to contribute. And with the position that I've been put in, um, you know, the things that I've learned, the crafts that I've been able to hone and and work on, it seems like it just, it worked out for the betterment for me to be able to put all those things together and then put this out there for for us as a a people, as a country. Um, And I hope that we're able to make some change from it. Most
0: definitely. So that wraps up the conversation with Jalen and Aaron and myself. Um, go out and search on social media and share if you would be willing with hashtag AUFA2020. And again, it's the appropriate use of force act. Um, yeah, we'll share some stuff on our social media account for the podcast and we hope you'll do the same. And, um, thanks for listening. Cheers y'all and go do some good.